Um, if you have your Bibles this evening, if you can turn to me to Hebrews eleven twenty three through 29. Bear with me. Let me just turn this thing off right here. Electricity is not cheap. Trust me. Okay. So, it's a privilege for me to be able to minister the gospel to you guys this evening. It's not something that I take lightly. And it's uh, definitely a great privilege to preach to you guys, knowing that you guys, most of you know me. When I was a young kid and a silly backslider, and here I am behind this pulpit. Such, such an honor. You have no idea how grateful I am. All right. So evangelical, evangelical uh, Ukrainian churches in the home of the largest Ukrainian population in the United States wept and prayed Sunday. Having escaped persecution in the Soviet Union themselves, they have already had testimonies of God's faithfulness. New York City has the largest Ukrainian population in the United States. It's a community of about 150,000. Thousands have come to the United States as uh, Christian refugees, most of them Baptist or Pentecostal, under a special asylum for those fleeing Soviet persecution. As Vladimir Putin puts his nuclear forces on high alert, some Ukrainians took the streets in Ukraine to join protest against Putin's aggression. But Christians, followers of Christ, gathered in churches to pray and weep and lament and sing to God. They call these praises weapons of war. As the nuclear threat escalates, escalated tensions, people in the services were in disbelief on how quickly the situation had spiraled in Ukraine. One church leader told Christianity Today, Our mind fails to understand how this is possible in a day and age. God allowed this to happen. Sorry. And we do not know why, but we know that God is sovereign and he is on the throne. These are people who think that if they kill someone, that they will accomplish a goal. A worship leader said, our hope is in the Lord, the one who holds all things together. No matter how things fall apart, the Lord created this world and he holds it in his hands. In the Bible... In, the, uh, in chapter 11 in Hebrews, this is known as the great examples of faith chapter. Paul emphasizes on the importance of faith in this chapter. And Paul mentions in this chapter many different judges, kings, prophets, and even unknown due to their great faith. The phrase by faith is used 16 times throughout this chapter. Faith is defined in Hebrews 11.1. 1, that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. You see, faith lives between. It is not in the past nor the future, but it is in the present. Faith is what gives us hope for the future. Without faith, there is no hope. Without hope, there is no faith. In this portion of the scripture we're going to read, Paul gives us a snapshot of Moses' life and how it was built on faith. If you have your Bibles... Turn to me to uh, Hebrews eleven twenty three. This is our main text. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It was by faith Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than for the own treasures of Egypt. For he was looking up ahead to his great reward. It is by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because his eyes were on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death could not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow them, they all drowned. Let's begin and look at uh, the need for faith as I uh, preach this sermon entitled, By Faith. In this portion of scripture, um, verse 23 through 29, by faith is used five times in verses 23 through 29. The scripture says, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months and he was born. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and sprinkle blood over the doorpost so the angel of death could not kill their firstborn. It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea as if it was dry land. So here in our scripture, Paul's emphasizing in this text the influence that faith had in Moses' life. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It was through the faith of Moses that he witnessed the miracles and the deliverance of the Israelites from the oppression of their enemies. This was not Moses who accomplished these supernatural things, but yet it was by his faith that enabled God that allowed him to do so. When God can be trusted, this allows for miracles to take place. Matthew seventeen twenty tells us, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, I surely say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. I want to show you guys something. Can you guys see that? Nobody can see that. I have a seed in my hand. I promise I'm not lying. So here. Watch that, the whole service, okay? So, for those who don't know, a mustard seed is very, very small. The average size is about 2.5 millimeters or about 0.1 inches in diameter. Right now, you're sitting in front of me and you can't see this seed, but I'm here to tell you that that little bit right there is that that little bit of faith, that little bit right there can do the impossible. Matthew eleven twenty four. There I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. I made the comment that before this scripture I just read just now that I'm holding it in front of you is something that you can't see. But does that mean that it's actually not there? Of course not. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, of evidence of things not seen. You see, when you and I become believers of Christ and accept them as our Lord and Savior, that in itself was an act of faith. And we as believers must understand that faith is an essential practice of our everyday lives. We cannot see Christ, but yet you and I believe in him. 
John 20, 29, Jesus said to them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have seen and yet have believed. You see, here in this text, church, Jesus is talking directly to Thomas. For those who don't know, Thomas was a disciple. He was one of the twelve. That means he would have spent a lot of time with Jesus. He would have spent a lot of time with the disciples, being part of miracles, actually uh, doing the miracles himself through Christ, obviously. And um, yet, Thomas still allowed Satan to bring unbelief into his heart. John 20, 25 through 28. The other disciples there therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of his nails and put my fingers through the nails, I will put my hands into the side. I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, the doors opened, but the doors were shut, and the midst stood, and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and put it in my hand, and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be believe, unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. If we're not careful tonight, church, you and I can allow Satan to bring unbelief in our hearts, unbelief in doubt. And just like Thomas you see, time and time after again, in the Bible, God does miracles for his people, and yet people still doubt, allow doubt to get the best of them. A perfect example here tonight is a series of miracles in the uh, chapter uh, 14 in Matthew. You see, one day, Jesus is with his 12 disciples. They had just came from feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. We have leftover watermelon. Imagine how much was left over here. I'm sure anyone can do the math, but five loaves of bread and two fish do not feed 5,000 people. But yet, Jesus did a miracle by multiplying the fish and the bread to feed those 5,000 people. So after this miracle buffet took place, the disciples decided to go for a little boat ride. And this is where we pick up in the story, Matthew 14, 24 through uh, 33. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting the heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke and said, do not be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter said, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come out and walk on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat, terrified. Uh, Jesus said, come out on the boat. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But, listen to this, when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was there, terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they came back, when he climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him and said, you really are the son of God. You see, that day the disciples saw miracles. They saw the miracles of the multiplying of the fish and the bread. Immediately after that took place, they saw Jesus walking on water. And then Peter asked uh, Jesus to allow him to walk on water. And this is the third miracle. Peter walks on water. But yet this happens. Matthew 14, 30-31. When he, and this is speaking of Peter in this text, saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. 
So you have little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? Three miracles in one day, but yet Peter still allowed doubt to take over his faith. You see, Peter and the disciples aren't the only ones in the Bible that allowed doubt to overcome their hearts. We saw this in, with the Israelites. Time and time after again, God has delivered them out of the hand of oppression of Israel, the ten plagues, the splitting of the Red Sea. He brought them into the promised land. And still to this day, the Jews are in rebellion towards God. You see, if you've attended church for some, quite some time now, you've even seen this in new believers. You see, they make their first act of faith by coming to church and giving their lives to Christ. God helps them. He does a miracle for them. Beyond they've ever imagined, gives them a job, gives them a car, blesses them financially. And it's always that one big storm, that first big storm, or that big bump in the road that they encounter that brings forth doubt. And eventually unbelief if they don't overcome that spirit of doubt. We even see this who, in people who have been saved for years. People who are fruitful, um, pillars in the church. People who have encountered miracles physically and uh, spiritually, but yet they still allow doubt to create a spirit of unbelief. And it is eventually that that unbelief conquers the faith that they once had. Jesus said to Peter, why did you doubt me? Peter saw the wind. He saw the waves. You see, the picture in the waves is something that is far greater than the disciples could ever uh, conquer or, or move out of on their own. But yet, Jesus was with them in that storm. In the storm, Jesus was with them, and they still allowed that doubt to conquer their hearts. You see, doubt becomes an issue when it affects your faith with God. Because, G, uh, because if we doubt, just because we doubt doesn't necessarily mean that we lose faith. But I tell you what, it definitely makes it hard in most situations. As we mature in Christ, faith is supposed to increase and doubt is supposed to decrease. And just because we doubt doesn't necessarily mean that we doubt God. We can doubt worldly things like our president or like the government. Like things, I'm just saying, things like that, you know. We can doubt certain ideas, you know. These are practical things that we can doubt. But when we, become, when we doubt God, that's when it becomes an issue. And you and I can go through situations of life. We can face storms, things that are far greater for us to take on alone. And like Peter, we can look at this situation, and instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus, we can look at what's around us. And eventually, we will allow that doubt to overcome our faith, just as Peter did that day. Let's look secondly at the power of faith. There's a constant need for faith in our last church. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, but not by sight. You see, throughout the Bible, there's many biblical characters that exercise their faith throughout the Bible. Many of these biblical characters are a great reference point for you and I to look at in the terms of faith. But there's one man I want to focus on here tonight that sets the tone in the beginning of the Bible for he's the father of faith. He's the ultimate breathless reference of faith. And I bet you guys could all say... Abraham, that's right. So, for those church kids who know, especially Corey and Alicia, Father Abraham. Let's, let's sing it. Okay. So, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So, let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, turn around, stop your feet. So, this song is referring to the fact that you and I are descendants of Abraham. This is a product of his faith. Genesis 26, 3-4. 
Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I will hereby confirm that I will give you these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised your father Abraham. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations on the earth will be blessed. You see here in this chapter, uh, Genesis 26, God is speaking directly to Isaac about Abraham. Isaac is um, Abraham and Sarah's miracle baby, if you don't know the story. Uh, We're not going to get into that, but it was through Abraham and Sarah's willingness and through their faithfulness that you and I are blessed to this day. Paul explains furthermore in Hebrews 11, 11 through 12, it is by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so the whole nation came to this one man who was good as dead, a nation with so many people like that, like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore, there is no way to count them. When you and I are faithful, God... When you, are, when you and I are faithful and willing to do God's will, he's faithful to do as he promised. You see, Abraham and Sarah were obedient to God throughout their lifetimes. And although they went through many trials and made many mistakes, he remained faithful through it all. Genesis 22, 17 through 18. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. You see, Abraham never saw the promised land. He never saw the impact of his faithfulness, but yet through his faithfulness, you and I benefit to this day. Through Abraham's decision and through his faithfulness carried on, Through this day, Jesus Christ was the promise that Abraham was given through his faithfulness. And that's what we just read in Genesis 22, 17 to 18. John 11, 25 through 26 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You see, church, through faith of one man, all the nations are blessed to this day. Through Wayman Mitchell... Uh, Through Raymond Mitchell's faithfulness, you and I are here this evening. Through Billy Graham, Charles Finley, Reinhard Bonnke, and many other men and women who served and sacrificed through their faithfulness, you and I are blessed to this day. These are just few people that have changed the world. And although they are not here and they've gone on to the Lord, through their faithfulness, it left an impact, a lasting impact. And this is what the power of faith is, church. And you and I can have the same faith, especially in these last days, if we remain faithful to God. Let's close and look finally at faith in Christ. In Hebrews 11, 4-40, as I had mentioned earlier, faith is used 16 times in these 36 verses. I keep emphasizing by faith for a reason. That's why I named the sermon that in case you didn't get it. Because Paul is emphasizing the need for faith in this scripture. You see, faith is not a suggestion. It's a desperate need for you and I. Faith is seen throughout the Bible because it's essential for you and I. Paul, in Hebrews 11, is encouraging the church that they must seek faith earnestly. You see, too many people put faith in worldly things. They put their faith in people. They put their faith in relationships, money, drugs, doctors. The list goes on and on and on. We can be here all night. And many of these things in itself, they're not bad. But they're all perishable. 
You see, we can lose everything in life in a matter of moment. Right now, we see the war that's going on in Ukraine. We've seen past wars. Wars bring devastating effects where people lose everything. They lose homes. They lose jobs. They lose cars, families, and friends. We see this in natural disasters recently. Um, in famines, all these different catastrophic events that take place. And the trials in life can take away physical possessions. But one thing that can never be taken away physically is faith. And faith is what helps us get through those tough times in life. We have many reference points throughout the Bible of people who put their trust in God regardless of the circumstance. But Jesus became the ultimate example of faith by dying on the cross for our sins. Jesus says in Luke 22-42, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Here we have Jesus praying in uh, Mount of Olives. This would be right before the, the crucifixion. And he knows the suffering that he's about to endure. And he tells Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. He's talking to God himself. He's saying, God, I put my faith in you. And Jesus would go on to take on the sins of the world, all the suffering and the pain that we never knew, he took upon himself. James 2.17, thus also faith in itself, it does not have works, it is dead. You see, Jesus and I did his part for you and I. The same power that rose from the grave lives within us as believers. And because of this action that he took on the cross for us. You see, this power that he gives us, he gives us the power to have dominion over our struggles and our needs in our life. You see, if we want to remain faithful, we must work on it. This is known as spiritual maintenance. You've Faith may not be able to t be taken away physically, but I assure you, your faith will be tested spiritually. And that's when you guys say amen. See, Satan will do his best to steal and to discourage your faith. There are many ways to keep on uh, spiritual maintenance, to maintain faith. I could write a sermon in itself on what to do and what not to do to keep your faith. But we're going to go over a couple practical things that I felt that were really important. And I'll, I'm going to back them up with scripture. First is salvation. This is the first thing that you can do. The Bible says that you must be born again. This is a spiritual birth. Meaning, we are no longer who we were. We are now spiritually changed by the blood of Jesus Christ into a new creation. You see, church, this is the greatest decision somebody can make. Is to give their life to Christ. If you have no idea how to start with faith... A prayer of salvation is the best step you can take. And the first step you can take towards faith. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So first we, have, first we have is salvation. Everyone's saved here, so we're good. Second is reading your Bible and praying. You see, God's word brings about faith into our life. This is how I actually wrote this sermon. I, it was through my Bible reading. I was reading my Bible, and I was encouraged in my faith in the Scripture, and now here I am. Praying to God also builds your faith. You see, God wants to help us. So talking to Him, just like I'm talking to you, is praying. And praying and reading your Bible go hand in hand. A lot of prayers that I have come across personally, and this is just a little tip for you guys, if, if you want it, is through the Bible. In my daily Bible reading, I can find the scripture and I'll say, I like that. I'm going to pray for that. And if you're ever looking for a good way to find prayers, read Psalms. It's very, very good. And it teaches us a lot how to pray. It's a format that, that David and 
had, had given us. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Psalms 91, 1-4. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you in His wings. His faithful promise, promises are your armor and protection. So here are two scriptures. One about the Bible, reading your Bible, why it's so important to read it. And two, about prayer. This is a good prayer that you can, you can uh, look at. The third thing is coming to church. Matthew twenty one thirteen, And he said to him, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but yet you made it a den of thieves. Jesus tells them a house of prayer. In other translations, it's the house of God, the house of a worship or a place of worship. And this is what the church is for. And this is why you and I are here tonight, so that we can build our faith up. And the church is a place that you and I should be fed in our faith. Fourth is the body. You see, we all need to glean from each other. We all need each other at the end of the day. We may all have our differences, but we are all unique and very useful to each other and to God's kingdom. And through each other, we can encourage each other. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron as one friend sharpens another. Romans 12, 4 through 5. For we have as many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The fifth and the last thing I want to touch on is giving. And it's not focused towards giving money. Yes, that's a good thing. But giving yourself to God. Giving yourself to God is the most important thing you can do. Uh, Leviticus 27.30 speaks on the issue of tithing, which is in all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord. And then 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Work hard so you can present yourself to the Lord and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed or who correctly explains the word of truth. You see, when people give themselves to God's purpose— all these things we touched on, salvation, reading your Bible, praying, going to church, being useful, giving financially, it all comes naturally when we give ourselves to God. And giving yourself to God is all he wants. When you give yourself to God, this is actually the true measure of faith when we give ourselves to him. Second Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Here in the scripture... Paul the Apostle was speaking of his spiritual journey. Paul went through many ups and downs throughout his ministry, but through everything he remained faithful. Paul goes on to say in Romans 1.17, This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. You see here tonight, church, through faith... You and I can have a future here on earth and a future in heaven with Jesus Christ. It is not something that we earn, but yet we have received through the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
And it is not yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Jesus died, and he resurrected from the dead. He was faithful to do his part. Faithfulness is his nature. His nature is to care, to love, and to meet the needs of his people. As believers, we must remain faithful to God. If you not have been faithful to God, or if you have lost your faith, you will have an opportunity here tonight to make things right with God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and respect to God and our neighbors here tonight. You see here tonight, I minister on faith. And when we went over a couple of practical things that help us to have faith, I mentioned the very first thing, which is salvation. I mentioned that salvation is the greatest decision you can make in your life. There's no better decision than to live for Jesus Christ. You see, in John 3.3, as we have read, the Bible says that you must be born again. Not in the flesh, but of the Spirit. You see, this is a spiritual birth. It's doing a 180 in your life. It's turning away from the old and turning from the new. I also mentioned giving self. When you become born again, what you're doing is saying, God, I give it to you. I choose to do your will. And maybe here tonight, there are people in this place that have never said a prayer of salvation. Or maybe you once said a prayer of salvation and you had that faith. And it started off with doubt and then it turned to unbelief. And then it turns to sin. You see, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, the deepest part of the ocean, that's where your sin can be. The Bible says that your sins were as scarlet, but they can be washed as white as snow. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for you and I. He did his part. But now the question is tonight, are you willing to do yours? Are you willing to step out in faith and say, you know, God, I don't know what this is all about. I'm scared, but I trust in you. That's what faith is. Remember, there's a seed right here on this pulpit. You can't see it. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks and whoever welcomes him in, he will come in and meet with you. And that's God here tonight. Unsaved or backslider, you want to come back home. You want to create that atmosphere of faith again back in your heart with an uplifted hand where you say, God, I want that faith. I want to be forgiven of my sins. How many would there be in a place this size that say, I want Jesus Christ in my heart? Maybe you've allowed doubt in your heart and you have a heart of unbelief unbelief is a sin when you allow doubt to come between you and God that becomes a sin backsliders Christians you've allowed your faith to be taken away with an uplifted hand you want to repent and you want to be forgiven and you want to create that faith once again with Jesus Christ with an uplifted hand how many would there be in this place turning to the Christian here tonight 
just as Peter and the disciples, you and I have seen miracle after miracle and after miracle. And we're flesh, we're beings. We're, we're going to go through storms in the life. But do not let, let the devil bring doubt into your life. You need to cast it away. Read your Bible. Pray. Come to church. Glean from one another. And most importantly, give yourself to God. It's the greatest thing you can do. If you're struggling with faith, God is here tonight and he wants to help you. These altars are here this evening. If you guys want to come and meet with God, as we sing that song, well done. I will wait on you, Lord, till you come.